Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. When it comes to eating well, sometimes it feels like it's a guessing game. Even if something looks good for me, the label is usually full of mystery ingredients. Who's got time for that? Not me. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They say no to weird ingredients, fillers, seed oils, added sugars, and even gluten if that's something you avoid. So all I have to do is say yes to delicious, easy-to-prep options that never leave me wondering what's really in my food. They deliver delicious options such as smoothies, harvest bowls, soups, and my new favorite, their bites that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to my door. Thanks to Daily Harvest, I always have something convenient in my freezer, especially on a really busy day. Take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ifstories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 369 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Judy Neary. Judy lives in Lake Chapala, Mexico, where she is a retired clinical social worker. Welcome, Judy. Hi, Jen. Nice to meet you. Super nice to be meeting you. And did you all relocate to Mexico after you retired? Yes. We actually came down about five years before my husband was eligible to retire and fell in love three days in, went back, checked with our financial advisor, put a deposit down on to build a house. And we closed on the house in April of 2013. 
and then the house got empty because we weren't eligible to retire for right. five years. And so my husband retired about four days before the election in 2016. I finished working the end of November, and then we actually arrived here February 1st, 2017. Well, I know Mexico is beautiful. You're all near the coast at all? We are in central Mexico in the mountains. So the, in a small fishing village is what it is, but it has a very large expat population. In fact, there's another member of the circle community that lives in the next village over. Oh, that's fabulous. I love that so much. Tell her hello from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I, we started off a little differently. I usually start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? But I was so curious about if you'd moved there after retirement because I had a hunch that you might have as someone else who moved after retirement. It's just nice to be able to live the dream. So let's go back to what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So it was early March 2022. And It wasn't weight loss that brought me to intermittent fasting. I had been having severe pain in my knee for about a year. And I had had an MRI and it said we don't see anything. And that must have been the spring of 2021. And so I'm like, well, there's obviously something going on. And so I started looking for ways to alleviate knee pain and what might be causing it. And even though I wasn't diagnosed with arthritis, it seemed like I had a lot of similar symptoms. So in looking for ways to reduce pain with arthritis, fasting came up as one of the ways. And so, and as a result of that, of course, I think it was delay, don't deny. And so I downloaded that onto my Kindle. And every year for about 10 years during Lent, I had given up sweetener in my coffee. I had always had milk or coconut milk and originally Splenda and then Stevia in my coffee. So I thought, I was reading about the clean fast. I said, well, you know, I'm already, I think Lent was starting like the next week. I said, I already give up the sweetener. I'll just give up the milk too and see how that goes. Because I had done that, you know, it was like a penance. and Right. (laughs) And And who knew that was actually way better for your body. (laughs) Right, right. And so I started immediately with the clean fast. For the first year, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, I tried to do what seems to be the norm, for lack of a better term, you know, not eating breakfast, starting eating at lunch, and stopping eating after dinner. And my blood sugar, what I interpret as my blood sugar, so the morning has always been the worst. The two times I fainted in my life have been in the morning, and I just never felt good. Never felt good. I mean, we went to France and I didn't eat croissants because I was delaying until lunchtime. And I did not lose any weight the entire first year. I didn't need to lose a lot of weight, but because of my knee, I hadn't been able to exercise for a year. And so then I decided, you know what? I'm going to eat breakfast and lunch. I do much better if I eat breakfast and lunch and then nothing after lunch. And I've lost 10 pounds this year. Awesome. So I think. So how long was your window before you're doing lunch and dinner? And how long was your window before? At least 16, 18. When I got to 18, when I wasn't eating breakfast, my head was hurting. I was feeling shaky. I got a few migraines, which I have a history of. And I just didn't feel good. Yeah. You were pretty much 18 was like the max of what you were. Right. When you've shifted your window lower, what's the timing like now? 
It's usually 19 to 20 hours. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw in something. I believe morning could absolutely be your perfect window timing because a lot of people, not a lot, there are definitely people who find their morning window is their preferred time. They like to have the breakfast and the lunch and skip dinner. And so I am not saying that is not the best window timing for you. I am going to say one thing that that's why I asked about the timing. You were doing 16 to 18 and then you bumped it up to 19 to 20. That might be what made a lot of the difference. Just that extra three to four hours of fasting, you know, well, two, one to, it just depends. If you were doing 16 to 18, 19 to 20, 16 to 20, obviously it'd be four hours, 18 to 19 is only one hour, but that might be just enough to flip that metabolic switch. Like when you were doing 16 to 18, you might have been just riding that edge of metabolic adaptation where your body was never flipping the metabolic switch into fat burning. And that is why every single day you had symptoms of the headache and the lethargy and you weren't losing fat because you weren't quite getting into fat burning. But now that you've shifted it earlier and closing it earlier, obviously, and getting to 19 or 20, your body is flipping the metabolic switch. You're not having that sluggishness. You're feeling better and you've lost weight. So the timing and the increasing the length of the fast, I think we're probably both factors in that. You know, I would tell myself hunger is not an emergency. Right. What I didn't experience when I was skipping breakfast, it felt like an emergency. So right. I get hungry. So like, you know, I go to bed around 10 and I'm hungry and that hunger is not an emergency. In right. the morning, it feels like an emergency. Right. Your body was not flipping that metabolic switch and so it wasn't well fueled. And that is when it doesn't feel good, when you're not well fueled. Right. So it's all about timing your window and having a long enough fast so that really we want to sleep through the hard part, Right. Right, right. For whatever the hard part is for us. When I just went to San Francisco and we did the red eye, you know, I didn't sleep. I, we were, I had a little dozing, but I certainly didn't sleep through the hard part. I was awake. So I was really hungry. And, and so just shifting it around so that you're sleeping through the hard part and you're finding the timing that feels the best to you. So I'm glad that it no longer is feeling like a hungry emergency every morning because that is no fun. We want to tweak it till it's easy. Right. And that's how it definitely feels now. And the other thing is my husband doesn't really fast, but he only eats meals when I do. And prior to this, for a couple of years, he had been having a real problem with reflux at night. And since we've started not eating dinner, he hasn't had any reflux. That's fabulous. Yeah. So he's like accidentally doing the intermittent fasting to a degree. Right. I mean, he's like your husband, never had a problem, but he's also been very physically active his entire adult life. I would say his diet. I remember when my children were little and I'd go to the grocery store and I'd have, I've always eaten very healthy. Mm -hmm. And then I had like this junk stuff, the stuff my husband liked. And I remember thinking, I wanted to apologize to people. That stuff's not mine. (laughs) That's my husband's. Right. (laughs) That's really funny. So yeah, you you made a really good point about that. My sister, not an intermittent faster, though, fingers crossed. I think she's getting ready uh-huh. to start. She has reflux, but again, not an intermittent faster, but she can't eat late in the evening. If she has a big meal at night, that really causes her a lot of problems. She has to give her food time to digest before she can lay down. So I think that's very common because that flap between our, you know, our stomach and our esophagus can the food pushes on it. It's a mechanical problem. So having him shift his actual meals to earlier in the day 
can be a real great solution for that. So I'm glad he's gotten some benefits as well. Yes. yes. Does he snack a little bit later in the evening, even though he's not having like dinner? We live in a place that is a lot of retirees. Most of the expat population is our retirees. Although we're getting more and more younger families here because just the culture and the way of living is much healthier. We lived outside Washington, D.C. for 38 years. So this is a lot more relaxed than where we came from. That and, is just even the traffic outside of there is oh crazy. I had to drive yes. to visit my my college roommate lived outside in Fort Washington, Maryland. And oh, yeah. I went the wrong way on this beltway or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? I was just in college. But yeah, that was in the 80s. So I can't even imagine what the traffic is like now. So now you're like living in heaven. We are. They call it paradise. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. And historically, January and February is what we call fundraising season. It's high season, so the snowbirds, the people that are coming from up north just for the winter months, are here, and the population about doubles. And we have a lot of charitable organizations that expats have started to help the local population who are, it's mostly Mm service-oriented, very poor, limited education. And so fundraisers take place at dinner time. (laughs) So yeah. we try to be flexible. You know, we're flexible. We had a friend who had an 80th birthday party about a week and a half ago. And afterwards, we went home. We were like, we feel so disgusting. And After the next eating day, that light. Oh, yeah. And just the next day just did not feel good. We travel a lot. And so I've always preferred to eat lunch. It's easier to get a reservation. The restaurants are less crowded. It's cheaper. Easier. That's it. That's expensive. And so right now our younger daughter is living in Italy with her family and children have to eat dinner, of course. And we went, I think it was the first time we had eaten dinner while we were consciously making the effort to stop at lunchtime. And we went out for pizza and in Italy, everyone gets their own pizza. And we went home, we were like, oh, we can't do that. We can't. So I told my daughter, don't plan on us for dinner. We'll eat with you. But you know, we can't do it. (laughs) I love that you have both found what works so well for both of you and that you're in sync because that makes such a difference. Cause you know, can you imagine if your husband was like, no, I expect a full dinner every night. And you're like, well, that isn't going to happen. Yeah, no. Well, right. And that's something that's, we've been married 42 years and almost always in sync about most things. So that's amazing. That really, really helps. What are we at? 32 years. So y'all got 10 years on us, but well, you also look amazing. I know people can't see you, but I can't yeah. believe that you've been married for 42 years. You said you got married really early. We did. How old were y'all? I was 18 and he was 21. Okay. We were 20 and 21 when we got married. Uh-huh. So yeah, I get it. And here we still are. So We say we're like one of those commercials. Don't try this at home. Only yeah. uh, <laughs> professional people. <laughs> yeah. Well, we grew up together, right? With our spouses. That's right. So. That's right. <laughs> So I love that you found a window that works really well for you and that feels good. And that's really what I want people to do. You know, people will say, what's the best window? What's the best timing? When should I do it? And it's really like you got to experiment and see, because I know what feels best for me and it is not breakfast and lunch and Mm -hmm. it it won't ever be because I get hungry before bed again. And that hunger feels like I got to eat and I also don't sleep well, but it's just from experimentation that I know this, but people like you that absolutely feel better with an earlier window, you got to try it to know. Mm -hmm. 
You know, people want to hear what to do. Like, here's when your window should be. But no, you got to figure it out for yourself. Are you tired of feeling tired? Are you someone who hits snooze and then slams your head straight back on the pillow? Magnesium Breakthrough is an all-natural supplement that helps you sleep more peacefully and wake up feeling refreshed. Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of all seven essential types of magnesium. So if you want to feel more energized and get the best night's sleep you've had in forever, check out bioptimizers.com slash ifstories. In addition to the discount you get by using the promo code ifstories10, you can get free gifts with your purchase up to two travel size bottles of magnesium breakthrough and who does not love something free act fast this is a limited time offer go now to bioptimizers.com slash if stories and don't forget to use the promo code if stories 10 you'll be amazed at how much better you feel by taking magnesium breakthrough you're at a place you just discovered and being an american express platinum card member with global dining access by resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Well, I think people are like, oh, well, this is what gin does. This must be the way. I'm still in, I'm on the community and then... I also belong to the Delay Don't Deny Facebook group, and I don't participate a lot, but read. But I'm trying to figure out what Facebook group that is. Is that the one that Sherry and Roxy post in, or is it an active group? Do people it's make posts in? Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. my group. That is not an official group. So I just I want everybody to know if you're in a Facebook group and it is active and members are posting, regardless what it's called, if someone named it, this is Jen Stevens' group. It's still not my group. <laughs> I don't have any active Facebook groups. I just want to make sure that's really understood because sometimes I'll get like emails from people who are angry about something that's happening in a Facebook group. And I can't control that because they're none of them are mine. I'm not in them. I'm not running them. I don't even know who the moderators are. So they could be giving you amazing advice or it could be completely unrelated to me. So I just want to make that clear. Everybody, if you're looking for a Facebook group, I'm sure there are some fabulous ones out there with great moderators that follow, you know, the principles of fast feast repeat and delay on deny. And I'm grateful for those people for doing the work, but I am not affiliated with them. So like, I remember one time getting kicked out of a Jason Fung group early on before. I, yeah. And he was not in it. He was not running it. He was not managing it. So I could have been like super mad at Jason Fung, but he had nothing to do with it. That's my little disclaimer about if you're on a Facebook group, it is not my group. Other than the one, the really old delayed on deny group, it has like 300 and something thousand members. We didn't close it, but no one can post except Roxy and Sherry post links to the podcasts. You know, there's a lot of good information. It's still, you can still join it and it's got archived. You can look back and you can search and you can find old posts. There's still a lot of good information there, but you can't make posts or comment. Anyway, I just had to say that. So you're in a group on Facebook that has the name Delayed On Tonight in it. Right. And the moderate, I've left other groups. That's the only one I still. It's got good moderators. Right. They come on every couple months and say, this is not Right. Jen Stevens. And they say what we are is a book club and we follow all the principles that set forth the delay, don't deny. So when there are people that. that are on there asking about things that aren't consistent with what you've written in your books, they will say, 
you know, we've noticed that there's been some chatter about this and this is not what we follow. Good. So that I, makes me really happy. I, you know, I can't control the world, <laughs> but I just <laughs> want people to know that I'm glad there are some really good groups out there, but I am not doing them, everybody. So don't be mad at me if something happens in a <laughs> Facebook group that I am not part of. Because, I mean, I've really gotten some emails that were like, I can't believe you. Would, and I'm like, that's my group. I didn't do right. it. I don't even know who they are. Anyway, so you're enjoying the communities. One of my most requoted genisms is it's not a fasting marathon. Right. Because some people are like, oh, I can fast more. I can fast more. I can fast more. Like it's a fasting marathon or a fasting competition. And when people get on that, I say, well, you know, according to Jen Stevens, this is not a fasting marathon. Right. So, you know, there may be medical reasons to do it. There may be reasons why people like to do it occasionally, but that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. And I watched a documentary years and years and years ago. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it still is. It's a fasting documentary. And it's really good. And it's about using fasting for healing purposes. And it's very pro-fasting. But all throughout that documentary, they are very, very clear that these longer fasts, they're actually doing them in clinics, medical settings. You're not just like at home fasting for five days. That is not what you should be doing because there are certain things that could be happening in your body and you don't know. And you might be like, well, I feel a little weird. That's a good sign. No, it might be actually a medical emergency and not a good sign. And, you know, you don't want to keep pushing through like, I'm so strong, I can push through. And so you don't want to do that. So there's like a place, True North, for example, is a fasting center in the United States. And they know how to work with patients who might be ill, have whatever going on, and they know how to check your vitals and your levels and your whatever it is they need to be looking at. So please don't try that at home. If I were diagnosed with something severe that I thought fasting could help with, therapeutic fasting, I'm talking about Mm -hmm. 72 plus, whatever it might be, I would go to a center. I wouldn't try it at home, and I'm Jen Stevens, and I would absolutely not try it at home. I just think it's important. We don't know what might be going on. Anyway, I'm glad that there are groups out there not participating in the fasting marathons or the fasting Olympics. I think the very first time I heard about fasting in terms of diet, meaning the way you eat to live your life, I had been following a keto slash low carb lifestyle for about six years. I would still consider myself low carb, mostly because basically what I gave up were all the processed things. Right. So no bread, no rice, all those kinds of things. It was hard for me to meet only 20 grams of carbs a day, which is what they traditionally call keto, because I eat vegetables. Right. And, you know, you have a couple cups of vegetables, you're almost at your limit. So basically, I gave up all the process. Not that I ate much processed stuff, but, you know, no bread, all that kind of stuff. And that worked really well for me. And then... My husband actually was loving it because we had these incredible breakfasts every day. I made, when we moved down here, Mexican bacon is amazing and very good. Uh, So bacon, eggs, avocado, hash browns every day. And then you were using potatoes. You were. My husband was eating potatoes. I wasn't eating. Okay. I was just wondering. So I was like, now that doesn't seem low carb, but yeah. Okay. So he got the Mexican potatoes, the hash browns. All right. And my cholesterol went way up. And so the doctor wanted to put me on statins and I said, well, tell me what I need to do. Let me try it for six months. If that doesn't work, then I'll go on statins. So, and I only did what was sustainable. 
Right. So I'm like, I can't do this just to get a number down and then go back to the way I was. And after six months, it went down some, but not sufficient. So I'm on a low dose of statins. The other thing that I think contributed to that was I had breast cancer 20 years ago and found out that I have the BRCA mutation. So as a result of that, I had a complete hysterectomy. And this was in 2004. The WHO study, I believe, came out in 2003. So it was right in the midst of that HRT is horrible. It's going to kill you if you've had breast cancer, forget it. So I just turned... 40 when I was diagnosed, so I was almost 41 when I went into immediate menopause from the surgery. Wow. And hormones were not an option right. at that point in time. Yeah. So I knew that one of the possible results was that my cholesterol would go up, and it did. So also have a history of migraines, and there have been recent studies that have said that statins actually can be preventive in people who have migraines who are then at a higher risk for a stroke. So it's not having adverse effects on the way I feel, so I continue with it. This year, for the first time since a few years after my hysterectomy, after a year of fasting, my numbers were all below 200. Oh, that's fabulous. Everything was perfect. Yeah, everything was good. So that was exciting. Yeah, that's really, really good news because sometimes people do see cholesterol go up briefly while they're fasting if you're losing a lot of fat at the time. That can cause your numbers to rise. Right. over time, once you level off, we hope to see the levels come down. So I'm glad that that's what's happened for you. But I know that's got to have been hard to go into full surgical menopause in your early 40s. I think I was already going into perimenopause. I was having, my cycle was changing. It had been the same since the second time I had ever had a cycle. And I was getting hot flashes. I was waking up soaked. I think one of the things that helped was back then, because there were no hormones, what they would do is if people were having problems with hot flashes, they would put them on a Fexor because okay. it's an antidepressant, but it helps with, I wasn't on a Fexor, but I was on another SSRI. And so I think that helped. It definitely helped because I didn't have the mood issues that most people were having or could have. But I also discovered shortly thereafter that I needed to eliminate sugar. I knew that It's like, I can't have one cookie. I have to eat the entire bag of cookies, right? I mean, when I was growing up, I was very, very thin. In fact, my first year of college, I remember one of the girls in my suite saying, gee, I think you're anorexic. I eat, I don't, I'm right. (laughs) I don't get rid of it, but I was always very thin. And then I gained 80 pounds with my first pregnancy. Wow. And she was only a seven pound baby. I gained 60 with my second What worked to my advantage was I was 19 when I had her. So I gained 80 pounds and then I lost it in four months. And then with my second one, I gained 60. It took me seven months to lose it, but I did. I was breastfeeding and- You just have a naturally slim body type. Yes, but I did grow up in a family where every single woman on my mother's side was morbidly obese. Wow. Your mother's side? My mother's side, right. My mother, her sister, my sister, my mother's female cousins, all morbidly obese. So I grew up with people constantly trying to lose weight, but that wasn't my experience. On your dad's side, what are the women like? Tall and thin. Yeah. See, that is just such a reflection of genetics right there. You know, you did not have that, whatever it was that caused the, the women on your maternal side, including your sister, 
to trend towards being morbidly obese, you took after the side that your dad's side of the family where the women were tall and lean. And so I bet your sister probably grew up beating herself up over why am I overweight, whereas you didn't have to even try. And it, it just feels like that's not fair. And it's that, that genetics for you. Right. Yeah. I got the other bad genes from the family, but yeah. Yeah. We got, we all going to get something, (laughs) but but there's a saying nature versus nurture. Either way, it's still your fault (laughs) as as a parent. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever happens with your kids, it's still your fault, but yeah. So we get what we get and then we have to work with them. So you mentioned that when you were in college, you were very, very thin. Do you remember how much you weighed at that time? I'm thinking between 130 and 135. And how tall are you? Five ten and a half. Oh yeah, that is very very slim. Oh, yeah. yeah. So because yeah. height definitely makes a difference with that. But you were eating fine. You were not restricting. You were not dieting. No. You ate plenty no. of food. Right. And so I think that's really really important. You know, we all have different genes, and we can all be eating exactly the same things and have a totally different response to them. Our bodies can do something different. You know, Chad is not going to gain weight no matter what. (laughs) That's just his body type. How about now? You mentioned when you started intermittent fasting, you weren't overweight. You didn't need to lose a lot of weight, but you have lost about 10 pounds. Where are you sitting about right now? 160. Okay. Which is a very healthy weight for someone who is 5'10". Right. In my mind, my goal was 155, but you know, I'm depending on the particular brand, I'm between a 10 and a 12, a size medium. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. As you say, if I wanted to get down to 155, I could. Yep. But I'm not willing to restrict myself or do other things that I would need to do to get down to that. Exactly. I think that's the balance we all need to find in our lives. Now, for somebody, if being 150, 155, whatever it is, was so important that you're willing to, I mean, it's all, you know, give and take. You got to decide, how do I want to live? And what's the most important to me? For me, I don't ever want to count anything ever again. Right, 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 right. (laughs) I want to have flexible eating. Yeah. I stopped counting calories when I went low carb because it worked so well for me. Mm -hmm. So the transition to intermittent fasting wasn't that hard because I've always eaten healthy, especially after I gained the 80 pounds with my first pregnancy. My rule was until I got back down to my weight, no cookies, cakes, or candy, and effectively low carb, even though I didn't know it at the time. So I've always eaten healthy. So I really think that's smart advice right there. You were not really trying super hard at that point. You just said, I'm not going to have dessert. (laughs) Right, right. Right. You're not going to have the sweet things. That piece of diet wisdom from go back to our grandparents' generation, I need to lose a little weight. I'm just going to stop having dessert is actually a really easy place to start for anybody who's listening right now. If you're struggling with, you know, not losing weight with intermittent fasting, you know, maybe you've taken delay. Don't deny that phrase a little too like literally like, okay, Jen said, don't deny I'm going to eat a big dessert every night. You might need to delay that dessert a little bit longer. You know, when you get to your goal and where you feel comfortable, you can figure out what a day might look like. But so that worked for you then. And even now you're not really big into the sugar. Real sugar. Mm -hmm. I rarely have. When I make things at home, I use monk fruit and a resveratrol. I still use a lot of low carbon keto recipes mostly because the sugar just triggers me. It triggers you to overeat. Is that what? Yeah. 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 
a lot of people find that to be true. I do not. My brain doesn't do that. Different things trigger my brain to overeat. And that's also a very important thing. You know, the whole concept of food addiction, I've thought and thought about that, you know, and I'm like, we can't be addicted to food, but we can be addicted to these chemicals that are not naturally food. Nobody had white refined sugar. If you go back to, you know, ancient man, there was no sugar bush, right? <laughs> that was That's a very refined product. So our brains respond to these not real foods in a way that we're not designed to have to encounter them. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the idea of being, you know, a food addict or a sugar addict or a potato chip addict or whatever, it's those ultra processed foods that we are binging on. We're not binging on entire baked potatoes and carrots. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're somebody listening and you find that sugar triggers a binge, Listen to your body telling you that because it's not really a natural food. And, you know, part of tweaking it till it's easy is understanding your body. I don't fear sugar. Sugar doesn't trigger binges for me, but I know that it does for some people. And if you're one of those people, that is your brain that you've got to work with. You've got to figure out what to do and not having whatever sets off your brain is the smart thing to do. Yeah, I agree. So you've found peace with that. And so you rarely have it, but you're able to have the desserts with the monk fruit and things like that. And it's no problem. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. So you're just rolling along and you're feeling better. Let's talk about your knee. You started because your knee was having pain. So about two months into doing intermittent fasting, we were visiting our daughter in the States and I was coming up from her lower level and all of a sudden I heard a loud pop and I couldn't stand on my leg. So when we got back to Mexico, I went back to my orthopedist and he sent me to a different MRI center and they found a small tear of my meniscus. Oh. So that was like March, April. We had some travel coming up. We travel a lot. So we scheduled it for July. And because I was fasting, you know, you can't eat, you know, so that was fine. I will say when you're in a Mexican hospital, they bring you homemade Mexican food in the morning. Oh my Lord, that sounds so good. <laughs> okay, was, I would like to go to a Mexican yeah. hospital. <laughs> yeah. But very modern, by the way, very modern. Are my, all of our doctors are bilingual and great. And so the intermittent fasting didn't help. I continued to have pain in my knee, but I think you had a physical problem. With, Right. We just didn't know it at the time. But even though I wasn't losing weight, I continued with it because I knew I had things like inflammation and other things that needed to heal and all of that. So, yeah, so now it's good. I'm back to exercising, and which is good. Yeah. So if you've got a mechanical problem, like something, you know, your torn meniscus or whatever, fasting's not going to fix that. <laughs> you um, might have to have a yeah. surgery. That's what the surgeons are for, to fix those mechanical right. problems that are going on. Chad's right. got something in his back and I'm like, go to the, you're, you might need to have surgery, but he's like, eh, right. you know, <laughs> <That's a man. laughs> like, stop, stop complaining about it or do something about it. One of the two, either one, I'm good with that. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're feeling better and that you're able to exercise now. So I imagine exercise is an important part of your life. It is because my husband's always been into physical fitness. You know, when he was still working, he ran every day, five plus miles every single day, including the weekends. He was in the military. So that was a part of it too. So when I grew up, so I was born in 63, really women's sports were just beginning to be something. And in my family, my mother being morbidly obese, exercise was not something that they were doing. So I hadn't really exercised until after we got married. And 
it had been sporadic, but we, it'll be actually two years tomorrow, we moved into our current home and we put a gym in the garage. So it's right there. And so we work out six days a week. I work out for about an hour. We've got a treadmill and a weight room. That sounds awesome because we know as we get older, keeping our muscle mass is so important. We've got to be intentional about that. That's really important. So ladies, if you could get away with not doing all that when you were younger, as you get older, you got to do it. (laughs) Even me, I've never (laughs) been one to want to do anything with weights, but it's time. It's time for us to do it. So I imagine y'all also get outside a lot. It's beautiful. Yeah. And the house we're living in now, there's we're the highest community up on the mountain. So um, the views are amazing. And I say I verge on being a hermit. I'd make a really good hermit. I'm perfectly happy at home. So we probably don't get out as much as we used to. We used to have a dog, but he died. It'll be two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. They're such an important Um, part of our life. But when we travel, we walk all the time. Yeah. Walking is my favorite, my favorite exercise, really. I like to walk and to see things. And I get really sad when it's the time of the year when you can't really get out and walk. Do you have like some mountain trails around you? We have hiking trails. I haven't done them in a while because of my knee. And even still, I'm afraid because they're steep. I'm concerned that I might be coming down and hurt myself. So Yeah, that makes sense. Tell us about some of your non-scale victories, you know, besides just the ones you've already mentioned in general. Okay, hold on. I took some notes. Good. I I love when people have a list. (laughs) And a lot of people do, by the way. So if you're listening, thinking about telling your story, it is okay to take notes and write them down. So at some point I developed eczema. I called it eczema. And it would happen when I ate anything with gluten. Okay. I don't have celiac disease or anything like that. But there was always, especially a part on my left thumb, where it would feel like there was something crawling underneath my skin and it would itch and then the skin would break open and then it would hurt. And even when I was doing low carb, if we went on vacation and I had something literally, Oh, by the way, hubby's in the kitchen, everybody. So so Judy's recording in the kitchen. He's get don't no, It's okay. It's not a problem. I just want everybody to know. (laughs) Hubby's doing something with his coffee cup, isn't he? He was. That's all right. No, we don't no, even need to edit this out. It is absolutely he's, okay. He's, he's I, slinking away. That's okay. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> and in about 10 minutes, we'll probably have a clock chime when the probably when it hits yeah. 11. So everybody just be ready. <laughs> and that is okay. We're real life recording. But um, so you, whenever you had gluten, you would get itchy. and Yeah. I mean, literally walking out of the restaurant from having something, I would look down and the rash would be forming. Um, oh like my the, gosh. Wow. And even the first year of intermittent fasting, it would happen. The last breakout I had was last November and then it healed and it has not come back since. Even That's if I amazing. Yeah. Wow. So you were having some sort of a immediate inflammatory response to anything with gluten right. and now you're not having that anymore. Right. Yeah, I think that like the way I don't have that seasonal allergies anymore, lowered inflammation, our body doesn't have to react to things. Right. So that's been great. What I used to call food chatter, that food noise, you know, back even before I started low carb, right when I was starting to figure out that really I needed to get sugar out of my life. It was always I finished eating. It's like, well, when do I get to eat again? What am I going to eat again? You know, it was constant thinking about when was the next time I was going to eat and that's gone. And so it feels, I mean, that takes a lot of energy. It really does. 
But food chatter, food noise, Chad doesn't get that. He doesn't have food chatter, food noise. He just eats. He's had enough. He goes on. But people like you and me and people who are listening that have struggled with this, the lack of food chatter is such a big non-scale victory. It is. It is. And I'd say that the last one I wrote down was that my husband doesn't have reflux anymore. Yeah, that's huge. I know he feels much better. So is there anything that you struggle with? No, I think, you know, is the current fasting schedule that I have, I don't feel like I'm struggling. But you did. You did feel like you were struggling until you found the schedule that works for you. I think that's super duper important. And it goes back to that phrase, tweak it till it's easy. Mm -hmm. An intermittent fasting lifestyle should fit your life and feel good to you. And if you're white knuckling it every single day and you're miserable, you haven't found your easy yet. And at the same time, and maybe it's because I'm at a weight that is comfortable for me, is when we have these dinners, most people tend to eat dinner. Right. In fact, I remember the woman who lives in the next village over writing on the community group. I just started working and you know now I have these dinners I'm going to with like my coworkers or whatever. And how do I do that to adjust my schedule? Because most people want to eat dinner. Right. And so what we tried to do with friends is, will you meet us for lunch? How early are you willing to go to dinner? And sometimes we just eat dinner. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, it works the same, whichever meal you're skipping. You know, most people tend to end up skipping the breakfast because people like to structure their day around dinner. And for me, it just feels better to have dinner. But we have challenges as well, because sometimes there's a morning event and we have to have strategies. Are we going to open early on that day and then feel lethargic the rest of the day? Or are we just going to sit there with our black coffee? So I've sat through many breakfasts just having black coffee because I know I'll feel better if I do that. And the same can happen with the dinner window. If you're someone who feels better not having dinner and it's a scheduled dinner event, you can sit and just visit with people at the dinner time. Right. I know that might feel weirder. It might feel weirder right. to not be eating dinner, right, but you can right. do it. You always get to choose. You can choose, right. I'm just going to have the dinner today, and I might not sleep as well, and I might feel sluggish. Or you can choose, you know what? I feel great right now. I'm just going to visit with people at this dinner. And I just want people to be confident enough in your own personal needs and what makes you feel your best to be able to sit comfortably when other people are eating whatever time of the day that is, and not feel like you have to eat because other people are eating. And that does take some doing. Not everybody is going to be that confident on day one. Right. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. 
That's ov.coop. We had a recent event. We were visiting a group of my husband's friends from college. We got there on a Friday and flew up to Chicago and then we had to drive from Chicago. So my husband found a really nice place to have lunch on the way. We knew they were having a barbecue that night and we got there and I just had water and that was fine. It seems easier when it's something that's very casual and people right. are kind of moving around and you know it's not a sit down dinner. We were perfectly fine with that. The next night, the couple that we're hosting this year had a catered dinner. So we ate. So you know, we just try to be flexible. We used to, when we were working, we used to love cruising. We'd go in January when the weather in DC was terrible. We didn't even get off the boat. It was just, you know. Oh, I get it. And so, but we went on a almost two week cruise leading up to Christmas last year, a Panama Canal cruise. And at this point we were used to eating breakfast and lunch. Well, they don't have the restaurants open at lunch, right? Oh, and so, yeah. oh my God, we've come to the conclusion that cruising just doesn't fit us anymore. I felt so overstuffed. Now, granted, no one, you know, there wasn't a waiter there shoving the food in my mouth, but just overstuffed, overwined, just, right. it was, so we went this past spring, we traveled with friends and they were willing to adjust to us. I remember the first day, the husband, we went out for lunch and the husband ordered like a salad. And Patrick and I looked at each other because the place we were staying, <laughs> the place we were staying was quite a far distance. So it's not like he could really get dinner. And we looked at each other, go, he's going to be starving later. He needs to eat. You know, so he adjusted quickly and learned that. He did not have a salad on day two. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> That's really, really funny. I could totally see that because, you know, to the normal person, lunch is not their biggest meal of the day. And so if they're not used to that, go ahead yeah. and eat while you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. You know, it's funny that you said that about cruising because Chad keeps wanting to take a cruise. And and I always wanted to go on a cruise to get my ocean fix. And so now I don't need a cruise for my ocean right. fix anymore. I got the ocean every day. And so and I'm just like, I keep putting them off, putting them off. That, but I think he would probably not enjoy a cruise as much as he thinks he would for that same reason. It's a lot of food. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of food. The food, I mean, we would always, we never ate all day, right? I mean, I know the food is available and some of the stories about people eating on cruises that we saw, it still is amazing to me. But yeah, it just doesn't fit us because we're retired and we lived in a place where we're on vacation all the time. So we don't need that relaxation the way we did when we were working and living in D.C. But we love to travel, especially with our daughter living in Europe now. We usually go over a couple times a year and we're able to visit her and, and travel. That sounds so amazing. Yeah. So, no, I totally get it. You know, you're like, why are you going on the cruise? If it's just for the food, then that's not going to fit anymore. No, no. I'm sad the, they're not open in the dining room for lunch anymore. They used to be. You know, you've heard me tell my story how I ate all the meals in the dining room, breakfast, right. lunch, and dinner, but I was obese at the time. But I liked to go to the sit-down meals for breakfast and, we would and lunch. Do that. We would go to the sit-down for lunch, but the specialty restaurants are only open for dinner. Oh, Right. And the cruise so, one, I always go on Carnival just because I, you know, I like their itineraries and they're easy to get to and all of that and they're affordable. But they stopped having the dining room open for lunch. Oh. What cruise line do you like? Norwegian. Okay. I've Although never done a lot Norwegian. Of, we liked it because they were, we didn't have to sit at a table with other people. We had had some 
not wonderful experiences with that. And you can eat when you want. They aren't set. And then I think they're the first ones that had these specialty restaurants. So like okay. steakhouse, Japanese, sushi, uh, what else was there? French, um, where you get a really, really nice meal that wasn't cafeteria style. Yeah. I don't like a buffet anymore. So I'm just really not going to be excited about going and getting in a buffet line or anything right, like right. that. That's not window worthy to me. And But it used to, I mean, I would have been like super excited about it, but I like more of an experience. So I would probably, we would probably like Norwegian. Mm-hmm. I'll think about that. I don't even know where we would get on. I, we'd have probably good Florida or something to get on that. The cruise we did before Christmas was through the Panama Canal. So we that flew sounds to amazing. Panama City. And it was funny because we had bought... I guess must have been included in the drink package. They have like a Starbucks on the ship. Right. So my husband would go down and get me my black coffee every morning and they knew how to make it. And he would get what I called his hot milkshakes. Right. So one time I went to get a refill and the barista said to me, you don't have any, you always just drink black coffee. And I said, well, yeah, before lunch, that's all I drink is black coffee. Cause you know, I mean, I'm standing there waiting for her to do my coffee and all the staff from the ship are coming and getting the hot milkshakes or the right. cold milkshakes, you know? And so I must've been one of the very few people that was only ordering black coffee. So I always and, like to, the, the Starbucks people appreciate that when you're in line, you're like black coffee. They're like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is, and I've heard other people say this too. I really don't like anything in my coffee anymore. Yeah. We go to church up in Guadalajara and then we usually go out for brunch afterwards And this past weekend, the coffee was really hot. So I put a little bit of milk into it. My husband goes, what are you doing? (laughs) It's like, that's not you. But also when you're drinking black coffee, nothing hides when it's bad coffee. That is so true. Yes. Absolutely. When we were traveling, I think it was coming home or going to visit our daughter in Italy. We had to stay overnight in Atlanta and at the hotel the next morning, we went and got coffee on the way to the, the airport. And I, it was awful. It was so awful that I complained to the manager. I said, it tastes like it's been on a burner all night. He goes, I saw him. He just made it this morning. I go, well, that is the worst coffee I've It's some kind of like, it tasted like burned. It must've been, oh, they did yeah. something wrong in the roasting process. Maybe they over roasted it. I don't know. It was horrid. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> No, <laughs> but definitely there's, there's some coffee I don't like if it's got like a kind of a floral undertone. I don't know what kind of bean that is, but there's some kind I don't like at all. So I know what yeah. you mean. Well, we have a man here. His name's Francisco and his family has a coffee farm. That's the right term in Veracruz. And so he comes with his red trucks and he sits on the main road in town and he knows me. And when I show up, he gives me, it's half regular, half dark roast and he mixes Mm. it up for me. We have our own grinder, but it's the best coffee. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it's fresh. Oh, it's fresh. Yeah. And then you're getting on the, he's like growing it, you know, where it comes from. I love that. And he stays here until the truck is empty and then he goes back to Veracruz and then he's back on Facebook. The local groups are, have you seen the guy in the red truck? He's gone. I need my coffee. I need my coffee. So yeah, everyone's (laughs) waiting for him to come back. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, the closer we can be to our food, the better it's going to be. That's what I really think. You know, getting back to knowing the person who grew the coffee and it's roasting it and selling it to Mm -hmm. you. That is really amazing. It does sound like a great life and appealing, very appealing to live somewhere like that. Well, and it's very healthy. The food is very fresh. You know, it's not like eating at a Mexican restaurant in the States. Definitely not. Everything's not covered in cheese. Mm -hmm. They don't use melty cheese. You know, like 
You don't put cheese on tacos. Food is very fresh. We're very blessed here because of the huge expat population. And Lake Japala is a common destination for wealthy Mexicans. So we have hundreds of incredible restaurants. Wow. Now I'm so envious. That's Um, one thing around here. Look, I love where I live. I love it a lot. But we are a resort community for people who want to come and eat fried seafood. (laughs) It is not the best. So trying to find restaurants where you can get something other than fried seafood. Yeah, not easy. You can find that if you want. That's not what we do. We lost weight when we first got here because, well, first of all, less stress and all of that. But the food is so much fresher. And they will do anything to accommodate you, the restaurants. So, you know, if I know that something is like drenched in flour, I will ask them not to make it in flour. My husband and I don't like cilantro. Oh, I'm sad for you. I love it. it, (laughs) Both of us have that whatever genetic thing is. That makes it taste like soap? Yes. Wow. And so at our regular restaurants, they know. We have one restaurant. We walk in and the owner goes, here come the cilantro people. Make sure you put extra cilantro. But he's kidding. They don't do it. Yeah. I'm so sad for anybody who has that genetic mutation. And for I'm glad both of you have it. Again, what are the chances that you, I think it's pretty rare. The fact that both of you have it. Y'all are just a perfect match for each other. And you found each other young. And I love that. We are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would definitely say start slow Mm -hmm. because you will quickly determine if you're able to go deeper, for lack of a better term. I think people think, oh, everyone else is doing one meal a day and all that. No, just start. Right. Just start because a year from now, you could really have this under your belt and really feel good and be where you want to be. Or you could have said that didn't work for me and you've gained another 10 pounds. When we've been vacationing and I've been eating much more and for much longer periods of time than I'm used to, or the other night when we had dinner, I just start over anew the next day, right? So my fast on days where we've been in an event and I haven't finished eating until 8.30 or 9, I still eat breakfast at 8.30 and go on. Yeah, you just have a shorter fast. You had a longer window the day before. You don't have to do any kind of calculations. You wake up fresh day. I think that that is absolutely how to do it. I love what you said, and I want to echo it, the not trying to do too much at once. And, you know, for anybody who's, you know, following the 28-day fast start, you're not starting on week one with 24 or one meal a day. There is no plan that I recommend where you're starting with that and you're working your way up to it. And so everybody who's listening to the podcast, keep in mind, you're listening to people who have been doing intermittent fasting for a long time and they didn't start with where they are now. And so you should not aspire on day one to be doing what people who have been doing intermittent fasting for three years are doing. You've got to work your way up to it. So I think that's super important. I don't know if I've heard this or if you said this, you know, no revenge fasting. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with I, that. I, yesterday. So I'm just not going to eat the entire day. You know, it just backfires. Yeah. No revenge fasting. I think Graham Curry started using that wording on his Fasting Highway podcast. And it's really, really, really powerful wording because we fast because it feels good. We don't fast to make up for something. Now, if you ate a lot and you're really full and you're like, oh, I don't want to eat anymore. I feel yucky. You're fasting because it feels good. That is not a revenge fast. But if you're like, oh, I ate too much yesterday. 
I'm going to fast as long as I can to make up for it. If you're telling yourself you're making up for it, that's revenge fasting. And that's not a healthy mindset to be in. We want to fast because it feels good. And that is why. Well, Judy, it has been fabulous to get to know you better. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great to meet you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.